This week on Erotic Awakening... Pony Play. <laughs> Welcome to Erotic Awakening with Dan and Dawn, a weekly view of all things erotic. From BDSM to erotic spirituality, from swinging as a lifestyle to simply fun kink, each week we bring you a diverse offering of erotic and alternative lifestyles in its many forms. This podcast includes frank discussions of highly sexual topics. This podcast is intended for consenting adults over the age of 18. If you are offended by this type of content, we recommend you stop listening right now. Hi, Dawn. Hi, Dan. This week, we will be discussing pony play. We have an interview with Luna and Carrie, also known as Mystic Storm, and they are uh, current pony play title holders, and they came on and tried to explain the idea of pony play to us. Exactly, and it was a lot of fun. So we found out that they're international title holders. I think they're actually the first international title holders, but they'll go more into that during the interview. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a couple ponies around here, but can't say we know a whole lot about pony play, but we'll get into that in just a minute. Mm-hmm. Before we get there, welcome back from Woodstocks. You didn't get a whole lot of sun. I didn't get a whole lot of sun, but that well, there was some sun definitely out, but uh, there was a lot of rain out, too. There was like some rain out year. as well. <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact, as you'd mentioned earlier, the uh, there's one heck of a nice storm if you like storms. Yeah, but I missed most of the storm. I got told <laughs> about it later, so... But, uh, yeah. <laughs> you had a great reason for missing the storm. I did, I did. Um, I was in the middle of a awesome scene back in the corner of the barn. And I call it a barn, but it's really just a huge metal (laughs) building dungeon on top of a hill out in uh the mountains and um so i got to hear a lot of the rain i got to feel some of it as it blew in through the door and um you know i had a moment even though i was zoning i had a moment where i was wondering if um the barn was going to blow away and I think that was just a particularly <laughs> intense scene is why you felt that I way. don't know. Not the story I heard later about the tents, the dining canopies trying to fly away and stuff. But uh, I had this little flash of wondering if um, the barn was going to fly away and I was going to be left on this table, strapped down, bolted to a cement floor. <laughs> if uh, you've never had an opportunity to go to an outdoor event... Um, you know, there's some pros and cons, right, mm-hmm. to outdoor events. For example, the, the heat, you don't have the air conditioning, you might have a bug or two you have to deal with. But playing outdoors in a tremendous thunderstorm is just the energy of that is without parallel. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, it was it was awesome. And oh, just the lightning and everything that you could hear and the, the rain on the tin roof and absolutely loved it. Beyond the... Um, nearly accidental electric plague. We happened to pick up a couple interviews at Woodstocks as well, a couple of fun ones. Uh, well, the first one, it, it, and it's really neat. So we go from all these master-slave topics, relationship topics, mm-hmm. uh, Leather Heart with the Leather Heart Foundation. Right. And now the next couple of interviews we have coming up, uh, one of them on a, will be dedicating a show to the art of cunnilingus. Nice. So we did one on blowjobs. We did now one on blowjobs quite a while Eating pussy. Yes. <laughs> and she seemed to be, yeah, the, the recipients of her tongue were very happy. And we get to interview one of those as well. 
<laughs> we did as well. And uh, then we also did a interview with our uh, our good friends Russ and Kashmir from Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and they happened to talk to us about fuck machines. Yes. And if those sound like some kind of a machine that you would use for the purpose of fucking, you would be correct. That is exactly what they are. <laughs> so a couple good interviews from that. We also got to spend some time with our uh, our friends from Castle Griffin and and, uh, and various friends from Pittsburgh and the. The D.C. area seems to be a a good crowd, so we got to see them again this year. Yep, and that was um, the last year for the people that are currently running it. Right, right. I don't think we really have permission to say their names at the moment, but um, thank you very much to the 10 years you've dedicated to running the event, Mm -hmm. and we'll see what happens next year. We have someone new dedicated to running it next year, and... uh, I don't know if they know what they've gotten themselves into, but they seem to be looking forward to it. Seem to be looking forward to it, and they're hard workers, so I expect it to be just as good as it was, if not better. We'll find out in about 11 months and three weeks, I guess. Yes. (laughs) Beyond that, we also have the um, uh, GLLA is our next event coming up. Yes. Great Lakes Leather Alliance. And uh, you mentioned that one of the things you'll be wearing is your uh, rebuilt and sexied up corset yes so um actually some of our newest pictures that we had taken are in this corset but it had to be um kind of like pinned together for the pictures so a friend of mine out of cleveland i was showing it to her and how it needed to be fixed and she actually owns blue rose corsetry and took it home with her and had it mailed back to me in like four days. Mm-hmm. So, and the modifications she made on it are just fabulous. I'm looking forward to wearing it for the contest. Great. Uh, we will put a link to Blue Rose Corsetry up on the show notes, as well as Great Lakes Leather Alliance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just so happens that the, the travel basket, which we've mentioned before, is filling right up. It is. So it's, it's sitting right here next to me. It looks awesome. <laughs> Some of the stuff that we have in there so far include two weekend passes to Kinko de Mayo, a $219 value donated by the Ohio Smart Group. Very um, appreciative of that. Oh, and it is such a wonderful party. <laughs> a Betty Page DVD do- donated by a uh, podcast listener from Nevada, uh, Julian. Some vibrating nipple clamps donated by a listener in Detroit named Jody. Uh, what else do we have there, Dawn? We have um, stained glass leather pride flag hand-built by Slave Jim. Definitely got to put a picture of that up. Yes. Um, a really neat uh, retro DVD, triple X DVD donated by our good friends Master Rick and Rick's Kitten. Uh, classic 70s porn. <laughs> um, breast cancer awareness wine glass charms donated by Miss Tina. And all of it is going into a hand-woven Longenberger basket donated by our good friend Tiger Lily. And if you're familiar with those (laughs) Longenberger baskets, I I shudder to think what the value of that is. Yeah, you don't need to be from Ohio, which is where they're made, to know what a Longenberger basket is. So, excellent. So that's some of the neat stuff going Mm -hmm. in our travel basket so far. And if we have any listeners out there that are of a mind to donate, feel free Give us a holler at Dan and Dawn at eroticawakening.com and we'll figure out how to get it to us. Uh, again, our theme for the basket this year is community support. Right. And the more support we can get from the community, the more it will reflect the impact that we hope to have on the community as the Master Slave title holders. Exactly. 
other than that, not a whole lot else going on. We have another uh, Master Slave chat here in Central Ohio on uh, the 25th. That's this Sunday coming up. Right. And that's an open invitation to anyone who's curious about the Master Slave lifestyle that can make it to Columbus. So, And these are really great chats. So um, it's for anybody that is interested in the 24-7 lifestyle or already living the 24-7 MS lifestyle. So and it's a great conversation. We start out with the topic. We pass it around. We share from experience. And topic usually morphs into something else. And it's usually pertinent to whatever's going on in someone's life. As we've mentioned before, there's a lot of you can get a lot of benefit out of, out of um, listening to this podcast mm-hmm. or reading stuff on FetLife or reading books by maybe Dr. Bob or by like our our, our guest from last week, Steve uh, Lenius. Right, right. But sitting with other people in a circle mm-hmm. and sharing your experience and your trials and tribulations and what it's like for your relationship and how you do things there's just some great power to that, and uh, we're very uh, happy to have that opportunity to facilitate those discussions, and, and they do us a ton of good. Absolutely. Well, other than that, the only other thing I want to mention is that we still have one ticket available to the Ohio Valley Regional Leather Contest. That's on July 30th and July 31st. We have a seat available at our table. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be sitting there and... We'd be more than happy. Any podcast listener out there, though, if you want to attend, say, hey, guys, I'd like to go, and we will give you a seat at our table. We're very appreciative for all the people that are donating towards our travel basket, and uh, maybe here's something that we can provide for you, and we'll donate to whoever's <laughs> curious about the Ohio Valley Regional Leather Contest. I can't wait to go to it, so it sounds like a lot of fun. Put something big, hard, and vibrating between your legs. Kinky? Ride a bike? Join us for a nice long cruise up into Utica, down through the Hocking Hills, and then back to Columbus. There will be lots of fun and excitement as we spend the day riding the beautiful roads of Ohio. AIS Lifestyle Motorcycle Ride takes place on Saturday, August 14th, 2010. Head over to adventuresandsexuality.org for details. Dawn, today's question of the day is one that you know well. (laughs) I do. Today's question of the day is, what is the purpose of controlling a sub or slave's orgasm? I know that one very well. (laughs) Now, we should say that not every MS couple um, uses orgasm control as one of the tools in their relationship. Right. And this doesn't just apply to MS couples, but many dom-sub couples also will use orgasm control as part of their either as part of their training or part Mm -hmm. of play i've noticed that i mean even um at woodstocks so when a dominant had a submissive on the symbion (laughs) (laughs) which is a real pisser and we'll talk about fuck machines in uh, a few weeks but a symbion is a two thousand dollar vibrator right right so and i'm giving someone a reiki treatment like probably 10 feet from them and they're like Dawn, is this going to bother you? And I'm like, no, the energy will probably come in handy. And then to hear her begging, may I, may I? And finally he gives her permission. And then 30 seconds later, may I, may I? (laughs) (laughs) If you're curious about why, who in the hell would buy a $2,000 vibrator? 
the <laughs> fact that the company is still in business and still selling them tells you that apparently, I've never ridden one. I've never ridden one. <laughs> but apparently they are worth $2,000. That is what I hear. And a lot of events you go to, you can hear that motor running <laughs> the whole time the dungeon's open. <laughs> but before we get too caught up in that wonderful thought, so what is, in your opinion, what is the purpose of controlling a, sl- a sub or slave's orgasm? Ooh. I, th- I think you almost said slut. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the purpose in controlling a slut's orgasm, too, I guess? Um, you know, I would think it's part of the power exchange. You know, I, it, to, to, I mean, that one is just so personal. You know, I've given you so much power over me. And to even have power over a body function like an orgasm. So, uh, for me, it's hot. I absolutely loved it when you incorporated that into my training or our play Mm -hmm. so and I know we still do it and hell sometimes (laughs) sometimes I'll warn people if I'm with them um unless Dan's here (laughs) I might not be able to (laughs) is that still true for you yes so for me part of it is part of it's the power exchange you know there's nothing that says I am in charge like you can't even have an orgasm without Mm -hmm. my permission and the reverse of it orgasm by command yes. right so that's the reverse aspect of why you would want to control a sub's orgasm is you know you cannot come until i tell you you can come and then the reverse is causing an orgasm by command you're making me twitch right now just talking about it that's fine by me um it's very powerful i mean it's just and to know that you have that much control it's just it is just such a turn on for me. I don't know how to explain it. Beyond the aspect of just control, though, beyond the aspect of just, you know, the power exchange dynamic of it, mm-hmm. an interesting aspect for me is creating the energy of an orgasm or the sexual energy and not releasing. That is classic mm. tantra. Yes. Classic kundalini rising technique. Yes. Is to generate that energy. And instead of just having it generate and just go right into Explode, an orgasm. Yeah. And lose that energy, but mm-hmm. to continue to cultivate that energy. And help rise it up the body through the energy centers. Mm-hmm. So I, it's just amazing. So, And to make it hold and hold and hold, I mean, sometimes it has no place to go but throughout the rest of your body. And that's when, for me, that energetic pulsing where I can't have an orgasm and then at some point, sometimes you'll let me have one, that's when it turns into the full body orgasm because it just goes in so many places and i i I totally agree sometimes i do um hold off on allowing you an orgasm for the purpose of just to flex my dominant muscle so to speak Mm -hmm. and some of it is because i want you to experience the energy of orgasm and also the lesson that orgasm does not necessarily have to be the point of sex or sexuality It is a great benefit or side effect to many times that we have a sexual encounter, but it's not a requirement. Exactly. So I had to explain that a couple of times over the weekend so that it's usually not my goal when I play or, you know, when I have sex. That's not usually my goal. My goal is the energy. So I don't have to, but they're still nice sometimes. (laughs) The hard part is when you say, Okay, no, you're not allowed. Time to go to bed. <laughs> Those which, are the hard ones. <laughs> which, which I do on occasion. Yes. And on a side note, this doesn't, this doesn't really 
towards this question, mm-hmm. uh, really, to me, there's a great deal of power in a dominant that can control his own orgasm. Yes. And not necessarily in a Taoist, sexual kung fu or tantric <laughs> sort of manner. Right. But just in making that decision, you know, I don't need to come right now. I've decided not to have an orgasm. And there's been many an occasion where you and I will have uh, sexual congress <laughs> Uh, or also known as fucking, <laughs> not leading to orgasm for either one of us. Well, yes. where I will simply choose that, ah, that was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Now I am stopping and you are stopping and you're going to lay down and go to sleep and I'm going to lay down and go to sleep. Yes. Sometimes you beg to touch yourself mm-hmm. and release yourself. <laughs> and sometimes I allow it. Um, and sometimes not. And sometimes not. It's really tricky to describe, but... A little bit of practice and see for yourself. And maybe this isn't this isn't for everybody, but try it sometime. See for yourself. See what it's like to take that orgasm and decide I want to keep it, you know, mm-hmm. um, and just store it and let it flow through my body. So now we get into the esoteric and the microcosmic orbit and all this kind of right. jazz. And, and we should do individual shows, yes, devoted to that. But I think I think we've covered the question. I think we've covered the question, except you know, and I keep thinking about it. It's like I'm not. I'm not expressing something. And I think what it is, is um, when you do allow me to have an orgasm, I think it feels more like a gift. Hmm. So something along those lines. Like mm-hmm. I said, it's hard, it's hard to express, and, um, but it does. It becomes yours, you know? And, and it's, a, and it's a, a gift that you're allowing me to have, you know, because it just shows how much my body belongs to you. So by choice. That is a great reflection of the power exchange dynamic. That's my orgasm. Yes. You can't have it until I tell you you can have it. Yes. So very neat. Mm. <laughs> if you'd like to share your experience with why you prevent your sub or slave from having orgasms or why you think it's the stupidest idea you've ever heard <laughs> or any other question of the day, there's a variety of ways you can get a hold of us. Oh, there is. But wait a minute. <sighs> Okay, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to move the thighs together here. Okay. No, no. <laughs> oh, God, don't say yes or it's going to be <laughs> very loud. <laughs> you can email us at Dawn at eroticawakening.com. Or on Facebook at eroticawakening, one word. We have a comment form called Got Comment on the <laughs> webpage, eroticawakening.com. Or by voicemail at 206-309-0054. Via FetLife, we have a group called Erotic Awakening. Two words. <laughs> and on Twitter at Dan and Dawn. I'm wet from that one. <laughs> so Dawn, today's topic is on pony play. Yes. Have you ever been a pony? I have never been a pony. I've been a kitty cat. You have been a once. kitty cat. That was a neat experience. Do you know why? Why it was a neat experience? Yeah. Why was it a neat experience? Because we were at a high protocol dinner, mm-hmm. and we were, we decided to do animals on parade. Yep. Because we did have a pony in our group, and she wanted to show us all about it. So we all picked an animal to be, and I chose a kitty cat. And slaves are not allowed to be on the furniture during mm-hmm. the high protocol stuff. Mm-hmm. Kitty cats are. And the kitty cats are allowed to stretch out on the furniture so that the doms can't sit there, too. <laughs> We probably need another show to talk about the role play aspect of pet play in general. Yes. But um, 
you're quite right. We have a, uh, in our old stomping grounds, in our mm-hmm. old uh, DS group, we did indeed have a pony, a fairly famous pony as well. It was on yes. the cover of a Oop. pony magazine called Equus Eroticus. I've got it right here. So she's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, well, there's also, I was flipping through here and I forgot that we also used to have another pony here in Columbus, and um, he has moved. I'm not sure where, even though I've seen him a couple times, I'm not sure where he's uh, located at now, but his name was Trigger. Yes, our good friend Trigger. Um, And between Trigger and... Mystique. Mystique, we Mm -hmm. were introduced to Pony Play, and since then we have a a few local people who engage in Pony Play here in central Ohio now. Okay. But really it was Mystique and Trigger that Mm -hmm. introduced us to the whole concept, and... I can recall speaking with Mystique's trainer at the time and just having no clue right. what the purpose, what the value of it was. Well, even with this Animals on Parade thing coming up, I still didn't get it. I didn't mm-hmm. get the the role play aspect of it. I didn't get the headspace of it. So so we talked, like you said, you talked to Mystique's trainer and... And he tried to explain it to me, and mm-hmm. I didn't really get it. <laughs> and what we're talking about is people dressing up as ponies, right? putting on headgear, mm-hmm. putting on a bit in their mouth. Yes. Some of them wear saddles. Some of them are two-footed, and some are four-footed ponies. Right. Oh, I would like to point out one thing. Mm-hmm. They do wear ponytails, but they are usually not butt plugs. You know how they usually sell the ponytail butt plugs uh-huh. in the little fetish stores? That's not usually what the ponies do. So not the ones that really get into the role play. So they have tails that they attach to their mm-hmm. costume. Yep. And they um, become ponies. Yes. Um, unfortunately, Luna and Carrie, who we'll be interviewing shortly, describe this better than we can. But I can tell you this. I still didn't get it. I, I saw it. I it was explained to me, and it didn't click for me until Mystique was in pony mode, all dressed up, and her trainer allowed me to ride her. Uh-huh. And this literally, I believe, she was a, um, and I really don't know the terminology correctly, but she was a two-legged pony, so I sat on her shoulders, and I rode her around. Uh-huh. And then I got it. Then I understood the power dynamic of it, the, the concept of it the reason people do it. Then it clicked for me. So what clicked? I don't know. <laughs> I Just don't that know. you understood? Yeah, it's, it's still, I, at this point, I understand why they had such difficulty explaining it to me because I have a difficult time explaining it to anyone else. But there is this level of power exchange that it's very different from a master-slave relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, ponies, by nature are not necessarily obedient or interested in pleasing you. Mm-hmm. So there's a different tack that you take and a stronger tack. And in, if you're really digging it, there's a level of in, um, instinctiveness that pops out, I guess. Oh, okay. So you have to make them obey for some of them. Mm-hmm. So that would be challenging, especially it- if they're in pony headspace absolutely so it's a different kind of thing and i don't know how good a job we're doing discussing it or talking about it but fortunately for us you know our podcast is mainly about things we've experienced there's occasions like this where <laughs> we're not quite sure what the dealio is so we found somebody that knows all about it today we are sitting with luna and mystic storm also known as carrie 
Welcome to Erotic Awakening, guys. We appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, thank you for having us. My understanding is that uh, you guys are involved in that thing called pony play, and so much (laughs) involved that you're actually title holders in uh, as pony and trainer. Is that right? Yes. Yes, we are. What title would that be? We are the International Pony and Trainer. And to this date, we are the only uh, ones to hold that title at this time. Okay, okay. Now, we had a listener write us uh, some time ago and ask us to do uh, an episode about pony play. And I wrote them back and I said, well, you sick bastard. We don't do bestiality. <laughs> and they said, oh, you dumbass. It's not got nothing to do with, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this has nothing to do with actual four-legged pony uh, horses. Uh, no, it does not have anything to do with four-legged bio horses or bestiality. <laughs> it's at least not the way any of us do it. <laughs> Can you explain a little bit about what it's about? Um, Pony Play is, is actually about um, people that want to take on the persona of being an actual horse, whether that means um, just dress up and role play or it is actual um, becoming an animal persona um, to the, you know, down to the actions and uh, mannerisms. Um, It really takes different forms to different people. Um, Some people like to, as she said, um, look pretty and have the tack on and get lots of attention. Some people are show ponies and want to perform in a ring. Um, Some people identify as work ponies and like to, you know, have things hitched to them and pull them in a field. (laughs) And really anything that you can imagine, you can do. Um, One of my pony personas is a My Little Pony persona. If I just want to have fun and, you know, dress up and be pretty, I like to be in My Little Pony. <laughs> and it's very cute when she does it. <laughs> so why would somebody do this? Why is this, well, do you consider it a fetish or a kink? And then why? People do it for many different reasons. Um, some people do it as a fetish. Um, mm-hmm. Some people do it because it does turn them on. It, it, they find it erotic. Um, some people do it as a DS thing. They do it because their owner, their master, whatever, um, decides that this is something they want them to do. So they do it as an act of submission. Um, and some people, it's actually kind of the opposite. I, we know people that the dominants are the ponies and the submissive, and it's the submissive job to take care of the dominant. Um, and that's part of their... DS role kind of in revolt, you know, whereas the dominant is the animal and the the submissive is the caretaker. Um, And like for me, it's about the the animal nature um, and becoming the animal and um, being everything that animal actually is and um, taking on all those mannerisms of that animal. And um, what One of the things that uh, many people find satisfying um, also, no matter what style or approach they take to it, 
is there's a certain amount of freeness in letting yourself go and become this other persona of the pony and having someone take care of you and you're just free to be. And a lot of people really find that liberating. Okay. Well, help me understand a little bit better exactly what it is we're talking about. If I were to go to, let's say I went to an event and in room C, they said, well, this is where you'll find the ponies and trainers. And I will go to room C and I open the door. What is it that I'll actually see? <laughs> well, you're going to see a very wide variety. Um, that's the one, the one of the best things about pony play is you can do and be whatever it is it feels like it needs to be to you. Um, you're going to see two-legged ponies pulling carts. You're going to see two-legged ponies giving rides. You're going to see two-legged ponies prancing around doing dressage to music. You're going to see four-legged ponies. Um, maybe four-legged ponies giving rides to people. Um, you might see uh, people um, dress as ponies in a circus theme type of a idea. Where sometimes the trainers will also have corresponding theme outfits if they want to do a particular type of scene or a type of a show. Um, it's, it really does depend on what the people want to get out of it. And you can see people that will spend thousands of dollars on costuming and tack and materials and equipments for the pony play, or you can spend 10 or $20 and some in basic craftiness and ingenuity, and you can have a fabulous um, tack and pony outfit. So it really is available and open to anybody for whichever way they want to take it. If you want to be very serious and, and do shows with it, great. If you want to dress up at your local club and be petted. And run amok. <laughs> run amok. <laughs> That's great, too. <laughs> As you can tell, Tony loves to run amok. <laughs> now, can you be a uh, – speaking of running amok, if – do you see ponies active without trainers? I mean, can you can you get into and when we talk about getting into this? So I guess I got. See now I'm getting all interested. I got too many questions coming. So let's start with this one. Can you be a pony without a trainer? Can you get into your gear and just let yourself loose and and what's that like if that's possible? Um. Yeah. There are definitely ponies that do pony play without a trainer. Um. There are times that um, I'm, I don't need a pack to necessarily go into my pony space, and I will just go and run free and do pony amok and cause havoc and <laughs> have fun and see if I can find other pony. I mean, I look for other people that may not know they have inner ponies and bring them out, and they find that, when they see me by myself running amok, they realize that they can do that themselves as well. And that helps them feel secure and they come join me. And I really enjoy that about it, that they feel that they can just come run like in a pack with me. 
you know, in a herd, um, and that we don't need trainers um, or structure, that we can just kind of go do our own things, run in a field, you know, take over a dungeon, <laughs> you know, wherever you may be. <laughs> in, go ahead. When we talk about this, is it about getting dressed up all pretty in pony gear, or is it about is it you, you mentioned pony space? So are you getting in? Is it helping you shift into a different headspace? Um, a lot of people use the gear to shift into pony space. Um, some people use a specific piece of gear, like a, a bit or a bridle that they need in order to shift into pony space. Um, some people need to be groomed in order to shift into a pony space. Some people don't need anything to be able to shift into a pony space. Um, Luna loves that sometimes we're in Walmart and she has to remind me that we're at Walmart and I should not be trotting up and down the aisle. <laughs> Especially when she's trying to look for sugar cubes. Um, but also, um, pony space, um, for typically for most people, pony space is akin to like a subspace type of a, a thing for uh, someone who's doing BDSM play. Where it's a different, almost a different state of consciousness for them. Um, when Carrie becomes pony, when she's Mystic Storm and she goes into her pony persona, she often does not remember a lot of the things that the pony does because she is completely immersed in this pony headspace and she needs someone to watch out for her and make sure she doesn't, you know, get in trouble or hurt herself or knock people over <laughs> if she decides to run amok. <laughs> um, but for the most part, um, she's, I mean, she's a very good pony and everybody gets into the pony space a little bit differently um, it's a different levels, a different type, just like you would with, with, uh, the headspace from playing. So, okay. Well, <clears throat> I also saw that you have a workshop called spirituality of pony and animal play. So mm -hmm. the spirituality part really caught my eye. So can you try to explain about that a little bit? Um, sure. You, <laughs> <laughs> We're both pointing at each other. Right? You, you should explain that. Um, that's, that's a hard topic, so, but I'm hoping. Right. Um, that is actually uh, one of our popular classes, um, and it came about because for Carrie, it is a very spiritual thing for her. She really does become a pony, um, and there are many people that get to that level in all types of animal play, there are a lot of people who identify with animals in so many different ways within their life. Um, I myself identify as a bear. Um, while I am not a large furry uh, gay man, there is a little bit of one trapped inside of me, but I also have the protective persona of a bear and a lot of characteristics of that. And I think a lot of people identify that way and people who enjoy the many different types of animal play, a lot of times it is a very deep and spiritual 
connection for them. Um, maybe getting back to something deep inside of all of us. And it's a way for them to really let go and connect on a different level. Uh, I know Carrie really gets deep into her pony persona. I, I think a lot of what that, that pony headspace for me is like an alter state of being. Mm-hmm. I really become, I become a horse. I become an animal. I'm not a human anymore. Um, right. And it's well, like, um, there are times when I've been known, I've, I've been, I've hurt myself doing pony play, but because I'm such in that space in that I'm a thousand pound animal that I don't realize that I've twisted an ankle. Right. Because that's just not where I am. And, and, and that's where you do need to have, you know, a trainer or a handler or a caretaker you, to make sure that, that, that they are going to be safe and taken care of and and well hydrated and not have um, accidents or hurt themselves. Well, that makes so. a lot of sense. So mm-hmm. I've got a, a kind of an advanced level spirituality question for you. Okay. Um, this, this sounds like um, what you just described sounds kind of like a Native American medicine. Mm-hmm. So have you done any studies on that? And is that what I'm getting out of this, because it it sounds kind of like the, this is going to sound so odd, but it sounds like the shape-shifting beliefs of um, Right. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, me, personally, I have done a lot of uh, studying uh, Native American beliefs, and that's very important to me, and that's where I get my bear identity from, and it's almost like a totem for me. Um, part of my identity and I think that in a lot of ways the way it works for Carrie and some of the other pony and animal people that we know it is very similar to the shape shifting beliefs and the almost trance-like state that some of the Native Americans have done also right that's what it was sounding like to me so I just wanted to get a a kind of a, a an understanding, see if it was kind of like that. So, yeah, when I was uh, the first time I and Don and I have the op- opportunity to interact with uh, a few people that uh, are involved in pony play, but the very first time um, when I was told that uh, this person we know is going to go into their pony mm-hmm. personification, and I was very new to things, new to everything, but specifically new to pony play, I said, Well, what, what do I do? How do I treat them? You know, I'm used to this person being so-and-so, and they said, treat them like a horse. And apparently they were kind of hardcore. They were like, you would treat, treat this person exactly like you would a horse. Would you, is that really what you would recommend new people, how they interact? Or is, is that how you want to be treated, uh, Carrie? Yeah, we always, um, we always recommend people treat um, ponies like, like a, you would treat an actual horse. And if you don't know anything about horses, you should always, if there's a trainer or other people around, maybe ask, um, because, um, specifically for me, um, because I, I do become so deeply ingrained in that horse, um, headspace, I will, I will treat you just like I would, like a regular horse would. You walk behind me, I will kick you. Um, you stick your, you try to feed me a treat, 
with the treat in your fingers, I will bite your fingers. Um, you know, it's, it's those kind of things that people don't realize that, um, and if you're not, if you've not been around horses, um, those are kind of things people, um, you have to, you have to teach them, um, how to interact with ponies. Um, but yeah, and, and not every pony is like that. So, but it's always a good base starting point that you should always treat a pony like a horse. And then, you know, if that is not the standard for whatever pony you're interacting with, let them tell you that and let them explain to you that, you know, it's okay for you to do whatever with them specifically. Right. And if they happen to have a handler or a trainer, um, one of the things we often suggest is you um, would approach that person first and ask permission and ask for, you know, if you don't know how to approach the, the pony, ask them, ask them how to and ask them for guidance. <coughs> Excuse me. Very similar to, you know, uh, protocols within the DS and MS world where you would ask uh, how to approach someone. And that's one of the things that we also um, touched on earlier. A lot of people like to combine pony play within those dynamics because of the control and discipline um, aspects of pony play also and the protocols involved within it. Okay, very cool. And that makes sense to me. Well, if you don't mind, got one more question for you. Sure. Uh, Mystic Storm, I understand that you're going to go to a, uh, a you'll be in part of a pony show in the Floating World event in August. So, if I was listening to this podcast and I realized I've got an inner acetique pony that wants to get free, how do I get started? <laughs> Is there uh, well, how do you get started if you you think you're into something like this? Um, the best way to get started, so we kind of have a little saying in the pony play world. If you stand still long enough to tell somebody you're interested in pony play and want to try it, you'll probably have tech in, on you before you stop saying you want to try it. Because <laughs> that's really kind of what happens. Yes. They want uh, <laughs> so um, the best way to do it is if you're at an event and there are pony players around, um, don't be shy. Come up and wander up to us. Um, let us know that you're interested. Um, normally... Most pony players at events have extra tack or are willing to loan you out, you know, things that they have, um, are always willing to teach you um, the basics. Um, a lot of events, um, I know Floating World in particular, will have tracks of classes specifically for ponies and trainers. And I do believe they either also help match up new ponies and trainers um, that don't have um, – don't have their own pony and or trainer to each other to help learn and to work with while you're there at the events. So that's one way that you can learn and um, work with somebody while you're there. Yeah. Um, and if you can't get to a large event, um, a lot of local groups, um, usually there's at least some people in local areas that are interested in pony play you could ask around and form your own little pony group. Um, there's some really good material online that's available. There's a fantastic book out. Oh, yeah, The Human Pony. Um, by Rebecca Wilcox. 
um, that's available on Amazon, I believe. Yes. Um, that's a fantastic book. It's got really good starting points and training points in it. So there's a lot of um, information coming out a little bit more and more every day to help people. And there's groups like um, this podcast um, that hopefully will open up, you know, some people to pony play also. And, you know, if your local group um, doesn't, you know, has a small interest in pony play, ask around and see if they'll bring in presenters that will do a demonstration and, uh, you know, educate you about pony play or, or help you to learn about pony play. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, pony- how would they get a hold of you guys to bring in some educational um, demonstrations Our- and stuff? Yeah, we're always available. We love to we love to teach people and show people and help them find their inner pony. That's one of our favorite things to do. How can they reach you to do that? People can email us at 2008ipt at gmail.com. And that's how they can reach us and let us know if they'd like us to come, you know, talk to their group or give them resources in their area because we do know resources all over the country. Right. We have traveled across the country um, and been involved in a couple different uh, pony groups. Uh, So we'd be happy to answer questions. If people want to write us, we're always available to try and help out. All right. And what was that email address again? 2008 IPT at gmail.com. Okay, great. (laughs) Well, uh, Luna, I want to thank you very much for being on the show today. It's been a pleasure. And uh, Mystic Storm, (laughs) 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 thank you very much, guys. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Coming up next week, Cuddling <laughs> or eating pussy. Bye, Dan. Bye, Dawn. Erotic Awakening is sponsored in part by Adventures in Sexuality, Central Ohio's kinky fun group. Find out more at adventuresinsexuality.org. Sarah Sloan appears on Erotic Awakening courtesy of Love You Parties. Find out more about Love You Parties and Sarah Sloan at www.sarahsloan.net. occurred on Erotic Awakening, Free by White Knight, Strawberry Jam by Jerry Bradley, and Wanda by 31D1 is provided from the Podshow Podsafe Network. More information can be found at music.podshow.com.